0: Welcome to The Huddle Show. We're back again this week. Cindy Doors here speaking with Melissa Nova, Hello, always. Hi Hello. there. And we are just going to gently ruminate and discuss things we've noticed, anything we've been reading, watching, and then we'll grapple with the always terrifying mystery question. Mm-hmm. So we hope you stay with us till the end. <laughs> so I'm going to kick off because I think uh, you won't all be listening to this in the times in which it's released but the time at which we're speaking uh so we've had bushfires then we had a pandemic and now we are witnessing um mainly in the states but it's starting to ripple out across the world a new kind of revolution where um people of color are um and and their allies and friends are standing up and saying actually it's this is enough This systematic. Discrimination and inbuilt racism and. Um, poor treatment of us that is kind of baked into the world is not enough. And so I think that is kind of the biggest thing that I'm noticing at the moment and. Uh, it's really uncomfortable, actually, you know, I am like the whitest person on the planet um, and just grappling with how I feel about that and what I know about that and, um, how much I don't know about that and, uh, how to learn about that and the, and the uncomfortableness of expressing anything in the fear that you're going to make a mistake. And I've been seeing quite a lot of social media where people are saying, look, just, just do something or say something or try something or learn something. And that's better than doing nothing. And uh, And I read something about how our um, the shame, so those of us who want to do better and be better also have this shame about not being that and not knowing things. And in some ways that shame acts to oppress us doing anything. So we become our own internal um kind of wheel of, or this cycle of not acting and not learning and not doing because we don't want to do the wrong thing. It's, yes, I have all these weird reflections and Mm. things I'm noticing. Mm. How how are you
1: going with it? Oh, well, you've sort of touched on everything that I'm kind of uh, feeling and thinking as well. Um, The thing that I'm actually really grateful for is the the types of conversations and the dialogue now that I feel like we are having even within Huddle but also outside, which is um, they're actually really critical conversations and I don't mean critical from a perspective in that they're really important. I just mean that um, we're taking a stance of, well, what is it that we don't know Mm -hmm. and how is it that we uncover the – you know, inherent prejudice and the inherent racism perhaps that is kind of just embedded Mm. into the way that we make sense of the world and the way that we think things work just by virtue of the fact that we were born with a certain colour skin at a certain time where the world is geared towards privileging that. Mm. Um, And, you know, I have to admit that I sit in that sort of – pocket of really not wanting to do or say the wrong thing Mm. and being really well aware of um, how much further I need to go to feel confident, to comment Mm. even Mm. and to have a... Apart from sharing how I'm feeling um, and I'm, you know, obviously the only person that can talk to that. (laughs) Mm. Um, But, yeah, I just there was a a link that you shared around, um, internally. Um, Oh, I'm going to talk about that. Oh, great. And put it in the show notes. Yeah. Cool. Um, which was really informative for me. She was a, um, African American scholar, I think. Mm. And, um, uh, and she was just talking about what it is that, um, you know, people who have white skin (laughs) can do Mm. and, you know the the most the, the simplest thing is to uh, become aware of your own surroundings in terms of well who are the um, organisations that are in your immediate community that are active in the, the fields of you know civil rights and mm. um, who are doing um, work for so in Australia in the Australian context the Indigenous communities and mm. and um, become knowledgeable about them and, and understand how you can support them or learn from them or um, as opposed to perhaps, you know, um, you know becoming really vocal about, you know, issues and matters that perhaps you don't yet fully mm-hmm. understand. And one of the things that she said which I really loved was to be able to understand how you can um, thoughtfully speak into somebody else's pain.
0: Mm-hmm. Um
1: and so I'm I I'm feeling personally quite um like it's really um like I'm feeling it now. It's really I'm feeling very sad mm. um and also a little bit um inadequate.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I definitely get that. Um we'll I think we'll People are posting very amazing links everywhere. Like, if you want to learn more about this and be yeah. different, there's so much material. Uh, and we will we will post a couple of links that I think we found personally useful. If they are useful for you, that would be great. And um, and if you find anything you want to share back with us, please do that. Uh, so I yeah I think that's yeah that really is setting the context for everything that i'm kind of feeling and doing this week Mm. and then i noticed it's i didn't do this intentionally and i probably should have done this intentionally but i've i've just made a couple of notes about some of the things i've been watching or reading Mm. this week Mm. and it turns out that um i am making more effort to just get into that space with um just experiencing things not from that white perspective and in the art that I'm watching or whatever. So, um, yeah, should we maybe move on to some of the things we've been yeah, reading yeah, and watching? Absolutely. I yep. think we might have a complete change of pace because you've been watching something that, for people who listen to this a lot, will sound a bit out of character for you.
1: Yeah. It'll do sound you like the, something I should watch. Yeah, you mean the tiny houses. I do. Yeah, yeah, it's been quite a – I mean, I've I've actually been – This is one of my challenges, actually, is that I am interested and fascinated by so many different things um, and pursue all sorts of different um, (laughs) hobbies and interests and all of that at the same time. Um, But this week in particular, I think because of the, you know, the, the situation that we've been living through in terms of the global pandemic Mm -hmm. and and being housebound and isolated and all of that sort of stuff and then in addition just the the mix of feelings that I've had this week in particular um with all that we've just discussed um there's this real um wanting to really do things differently like not just on the on the edges and um I've always been fascinated by people, you know, the minimalist movement and, and living off the grid and living completely sustainably and and learning, learning all of that, learning how to cultivate the land and all of that sort of stuff. And um, also I think we – I'm not sure, just a little bit topical on the Indigenous um, knowledge and deep wisdom and stuff that exists, but Dark Emu, which was another mm. book that we both read and learning about agricultural processes and all of that. So I've been sitting in – That and um, one of the things I've been watching (laughs) is uh, a channel called um, it's called Hunting for George, I think, and I will put a link in the show notes. But she basically goes and does um, home visits, and it's not just of tiny homes; it's of, of all of the spectrum, like from bazillion dollar penthouse apartments to these tiny, tiny little shacks in secluded places around Tasmania and, and all of that sort of stuff. And um, I've just been really enjoying the, the idea of being able to live with a tiny little footprint and be able to grow my own food and be in nature and um, just simplify things a little bit. And how you actually don't need that much mm. in your life of stuff. Mm.
0: Which is interesting because it sounds like a lot of the things she's looking at involve a lot of beautiful stuff.
1: As well. Yeah, yeah as well yeah, as yeah. places yeah. with not much stuff. That's right. So it's a real, I mean, that channel in particular, I mean, there are, there are channels that I also watch that just do tiny homes. Mm.
0: What do you <clears> like about this woman in particular?
1: Oh, I just, just, (laughs) oh gosh, how do I explain it? She does like
0: a a trillion home tours on YouTube. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I think one of the things that I do like is she's Australian, so she has this kind of very familiar way that she experiences things and talks Mm. about things, right? Mm -hmm. So there's, because there's so much sort of American content on YouTube. Mm. So I actually like that. I like that. Um, The other thing that I like is that she she's, she's like a, she's an external thinker. So she'll go into this, into a space. And then she is literally just narrating what she's thinking and seeing. well, that's what it feels like anyway. And, um, I just really enjoy how, um, how joyful and in the moment she is. And, Mm. you know, she'll go in and she grabs a, cup of tea and then she'll go into the pantry and go oh goodies and she'll help herself yeah. obviously with the permission i hope with permission of, yeah. of the owners but it's just it's just really kind of i think also um you know we started this um a podcast on a uh, quite a serious topic i think i'm also the other thing i'm craving is a little bit of um because i'm sitting so heavily in in everything that's going on in at the moment just a little bit of lightness and a little mm. bit of joy as well to balance that and she <laughs> definitely brings that too
0: yeah i mean you showed yeah, me sure. a little snippet of her just before we started this conversation and i can really see the appeal because she's a she's just one of life's great enthusiasts yeah. by the looks of it yeah i mean i can imagine she's kind of like that everywhere you, you don't get a sense that there's a lot of artifice going on yeah and, yeah. That she's genuinely excited at every little nook and cranny
1: she sees in those yeah. houses. <laughs> so it's, one of the things that she did say, and well, she says often actually is like, Oh my God, I just, I just want to, um, just want to touch everything and experience everything in this house, Aww. you know? So she's very, um, visceral. Yeah. It's
0: really weird that you did that because I, <laughs> you know, this week's just crazy. I don't know how, what day it is or mm. what's happening. Um, but I had this, like, huge, deep desire yesterday to just kind of abandon my life. Yeah. Like, what if I just left my own life <laughs> and uh, didn't do any work and didn't live here and just... I don't know where I was going with it. I just had this... I don't know. It was a very... It was quite a, a intense... And magnified, you know, the fight or flight response. Mm. I feel like it was a really, really big flight <laughs> response. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't quite get to looking at tiny houses. I did do a little bit of real estate stalking um, to see where I could abandon my life and go somewhere else. I don't think I was quite prepared to abandon to massive uncertainty
1: about where I would live. But,
0: mm. yeah, so funny.
1: So where do you think that... that um motivation is coming from to abandon your life? Like, do you have a, do you have a, an alternate in mind or like what's.
0: Yeah, I think this is a very deep podcast, everybody. (laughs) You know, I think I felt pretty overwhelmed by, um, like we are doing some amazing work, such important work. I mean, everybody does important work, but there's something that a couple of things we're doing at the moment that can have really far-reaching impacts and, you know, really make a difference that I'm very passionate about. Uh, But I also am feeling quite overwhelmed and crushed by the magnitude of that responsibility. Mm. Uh, You know, we've talked on this podcast before, and I'm an oldest child, taking responsibility is my go-to mode. Uh, But I actually just had this... Massive craving to be responsible for nothing yesterday, like nothing. I don't want to make any decisions. Um, And I think the decision thing's been coming for a bit. I know it's driving my partner crazy. Yeah. Because I'll say, let's do X, and you go, where do you want to go? I'll be like, well, why do you you decide? It's like, well, was your idea. I'm like, I just, I can't make any more decisions. (laughs) And yeah, I think it's coming from that place. I actually Mm. don't want to have responsibility for yeah, I have this feeling that responsibility is just too much for me at the moment
1: and I'd like a break from it. Yeah, yeah. I can resonate with that feeling as well about the responsible feeling and also that I'm just over making decisions. Mm. I think also um, I think I just want to also just be making different decisions. I don't think it's the decision-making bit actually. It's the, like for example, if we were to just go with the tiny house thing, if I had to make a decision whether I was going to go and, you know, plant this, tree now or later happy to make that decision yeah <laughs> mm. oh i just wonder i just wonder whether it's it's also the nature of the things that you had needing to decide Maybe. between that's true yeah i mean for instance
0: i have literally eaten only two different meals this week yeah i just cooked a about. huge batch of a couple of things because i just didn't want the the Kind of intellectual or emotional burden of
1: choosing what to feed myself every day. So it's, just, it's really <laughs> along the lines of the whole Steve Jobs thing, right? Where he he said, that, "Oh, that you makes know. me feel like
0: my whole body though is <laughs> sorry. recoiling because I'm sorry.
1: I feel like that's not me." No, it's not. But you know what I'm getting at, <laughs> I right? With like the black turtleneck and the oh. and the jeans and the sneakers, and that's just what I wear, so I don't have to. And I think Obama perhaps had a similar sort of yeah, thing, yeah. and that, that was my just brother his who had
0: a um wasn't obama or steve jobs but he had a very serious mental illness for many years he also arrived at the same conclusion for himself that making decisions was very stressful and so he would buy four of the same top and four of the same pair of jeans and just wear them every day
1: you know i think it's also another way sure it's taking sort of the um a little bit of the noise out in the daily i don't know how many decisions we make a day but it's also in times of uncertainty giving a little bit of certainty perhaps as well in that Mm -hmm. I i don't i know what i'm going to be eating i know what i'm going to be wearing um and we can you know put our attention and that that um energy into trying to make sense of things that are perhaps a little bit more tricky a bit more complicated
0: yeah, it's a kind of funny choice for me to have made actually because I like cooking and I like that creative process yeah. and I find it quite relaxing. But for some reason, this week that was just not possible yeah. for me. So yeah I made something I'm happy to eat every day. But
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's
0: delicious. It's pretty delicious. It has homemade kimchi in it.
1: What was the um? What was the thing that you were gonna? You said that you were you were gonna
0: talk about it. Oh, I've got a couple of things yeah. I want to talk about. So one is um uh so one of the the people i kind of found during the, the this time of um you know revolution and protest and um learning new things is a woman called rachel cargill she's the woman you're talking about yeah. and she's the link i sent around yeah and she has um there's something about her that i really respond to it's a there's a warmth to her, but also a real uh precision and uh um, like a real laser focus on what she's saying but but a beautiful way of wrapping it up so that it, you can hear that message and I think she's a really good woman for me <laughs> at the moment, mm-hmm. and I will post some links and she has um she has a kind of online learning platform she calls unlearning she talks about kind of unraveling all the things that you've just been taught to believe or that have been baked into you through the way beliefs are formed and habits are formed and um, and the way the system creates that. And so she's set up this platform to help people unlearn those things and learn other things. And her specific focus, though, is? Her specific focus is um, anti-racism. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the experience of of people of color in, in the United States. So it comes from that lens. Um, and she has this really lovely, simple formula. So she talks about knowledge plus radical empathy equals radical action. And maybe it's a consultant in me, but I, I really liked that formula and I thought that's an easy way for us. Um, if you're thinking about doing something to create a path for yourself and not rely upon other people create that path for you. Uh, so I, I really urge people to to listen to her. But the other thing that she does and I actually did this this morning. I um she does this thing on Instagram, which is my favorite social media platform. Yeah, which I'm never on. No, I yeah. don't know why. It's a it's a beautiful kind place if you yeah. do it right. Yeah. Uh, she reads children's stories. Uh, and she read a beautiful story this morning about a little girl um a little black girl who lived in New York, I think. Oh, yeah, I think it was New York. Um, who could fly. And if she flew over a building or a place, she could own it. And uh it talks about her family and her little brother. And um and Rachel Cargill's mother used to read this story to her when she was a child. And now she's and so she reads these children's books. And it was really beautiful and moving though. She cried while reading it oh. and then I cried while listening to her. Oh read my gosh. It. <laughs> and it's beautifully illustrated and it's it's just a really beautiful learning tool. Mm. And uh so I wanna send a link around to that for everybody yeah, because a it's a beautiful gift, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's a really beautiful gift. And then the other thing that I found myself drawn to uh is this amazing, 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 amazing I don't even know what it is. It's I guess it's a documentary but it feels just like a piece of art to me and I don't know anything about art so that could be wrong. But uh, it's this piece um, called The Beach on SBS and uh, I was going to say about but I don't know if it is about but uh, Warwick Thornton who's a very acclaimed Australian director people will probably know him mostly for um, Samson and Delilah which was gut-wrenching amazing the film about um, two young uh, Indigenous kids, Uh, he kind of needs to decompress and just get out of his life. And he goes to the Dampier Peninsula, which is a very beautiful part of WA, north of Broome, where I've been. It's, It's very beautiful. And he lives on a shack on the beach and it's in an amazing location. And he has some chickens and his son is a cinematographer. This is a photo that you showed me of the shack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And almost nothing happens. And it's it's just so beautiful and meditative. Uh, he does some cooking, really intentional cooking. Apparently he's a massive, massive fan of cooking and watches cooking videos all the time. And so he makes all these things from scratch. And there's no narration almost no dialogue he talks with chickens a bit You see the light come through the sluts of the door uh and it's really really beautiful and it does something to your central nervous system it just takes you to another place or it takes me to another place but it also uh I didn't know this was going to happen and a, a friend who works for SBS my friend though <laughs> My friend, the person who buys documentaries (laughs) for SBS, so she's responsible for all the documentaries you'll watch. Uh, Hello, Kay, I know you listen. Uh, She really urged me to watch this, and I didn't know what I was going to find, but it turns out the thing I found was the thing I needed. And it also connected to something um, that someone we're doing some work with uh, was saying a couple of weeks ago. Um, He's an Aboriginal man from um, Victoria, And we were exploring um, the ways in which um, the way our dominant white culture problem solves and deals with things is just kind of so off for the the need for stillness and silence. Mm -hmm. And this Warwick Thornton thing, the the beach, just allows you to see how it's ironic, isn't it, because we're doing a podcast where we talk all the time, but it allows you to see how having that silence mm. and that stillness actually opens up a space for something. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's so, but it's also just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful to watch. The, the colour and the framing and the, the light, it's... Um,
1: yeah, well, it's now on my list. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. It sounds perfect. Sounds like exactly what I need. Yeah. Yeah. What was the other thing? Uh, oh, there's something else I'm just
0: dipping in and out of a yeah. bit. I'm having a bit of trouble reading at the moment, actually, okay. too. Yeah. Uh, so I'm dipping in and out of this book called Phosphorescence uh. by Julia Baird. Have you heard okay, of Okay, no. Uh, did it sound like I did when I went home? It, it did, and you yeah. had like you nodded. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Julia Baird is a really great writer. She wrote a biography of Victoria, uh, and she hosts The Drum, and she's yep. been a journalist. She does a bunch of things. Uh, and she's written this and she had she's had some um, quite difficult times in her life, a lot of illness and pain and got through that. And so she's written this book. It's called Phosphorescence. And it's about, I think, how you sustain and maintain the light in yourself mm-hmm. um, when things are hard. Mm-hmm. And it's just a series of reflections on some of those things. So... She talks about swimming. She talks about being in nature. Um, she spends time. She goes to what's that a festival? I've always wanted to go to Gama, um, and spends time with Indigenous women um, in the Northern Territory and and reflects on stillness herself. There's a really beautiful letter to her daughter, uh, and there's quite a lot of meditations. She's she's a very committed Christian with a great deal of faith. I think. Uh, and she reflects on that as well. I'm not. I don't know if I love it, and I don't. I can't read it from cover to cover for mm-hmm. some reason. But yeah. I, I'm dipping in and out of it.
1: Uh, yeah, you're quite sensitive to the, um, also to the way. So there's the content of what you're reading, but also to the way in which it's written as well. Yeah. So they kind of, and you notice that sort of stuff, whereas I, maybe subconsciously do, but don't really notice it. Um, and, uh, there was, there was a book that I had that you said that you were never going to read, that you didn't need that in your life about those women.
0: Oh my God. The Charlotte wood, the nature of things. Yes.
1: Yeah. And something happened there for you as well in that the content was really not the thing that mm. you wanted to be spending time with, but you were so taken by the way that Charlotte Wood had actually written mm. that book that you actually continued to read it. Right?
0: Yeah, I haven't read it for f- this week. No. As I must say. Yeah, yeah. I, a lot of you listening may have read this book actually, Charlotte yeah. Wood's *The Nature of Things*. It's um, it's incredibly confronting. I I physically felt
1: ill. Me too. Reading. Yeah that book yeah it's not a book you pick up for um good time feels not a beach read it's um yeah and it i think intentionally so and um you know i read novels very rarely Mm. and uh lean on cindy a lot to be able to a give me recommendations but also to help me post read make sense of what just happened (laughs) What, am i waiting. Dog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a dog? I thought that was um, – but, uh, yeah, so I am – if you do persevere and get to the end, I do really need a debrief on this mm. one because I am still not clear on what happened.
0: Yeah, I think I will get to the end of it. I don't know when. I may need to wait till the end of the pandemic, so it could be a year. Right. I'm not sure. Yes. Everyone stay tuned on yeah. that, but – it yeah. is. Yeah, you are right. The content is it's brutal and it's uh, cruel and uh, um, heavy topics too around uh, yeah, misogyny. And, yeah, 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 it's uh, horrifying. But the, her writing is so amazing because you are, you know, we I talk about this all the time. You know, remember I talked about that thing fiction is a life simulator. Mm-hmm. Well, she is so good that you are right there. You feeling exactly what is happening to those women yeah and that is not a place that you want to be you want to be yeah but also what a gift to have that insight yeah you know and
1: yeah uh yeah you know something I'm reflecting on when authors talk about smell mm. in the description of an event or a context within which the character finds themselves I find that very um, immersive. Mm. I think I find that. So you know, the whole perfume book, which is all about that, mm. which again was one of those books that, you know, I mean, it's an amazing book, but mm. it's not particularly. <laughs> Only sometimes in
0: your life you can read, yeah, perfume by Patrick Suskind,
1: yeah, um, and uh, but I just because Charlotte Wood also uses that sort mm. of sense to be able to bring you into what's happening and. And all of that. And I just find that it just drops me immediately in Mm. to that reality that she's Mm. creating. Mm. Yeah. So another link in the show notes. Yeah, another link in the show notes. Go there at your peril. Yeah. Uh, Shall we we do the mystery question? Here we go. All right. Mystery question. Thank you to the mystery person.
0: We don't know if we're going to thank them yet. We don't know what the question is.
1: No. Why leaders need to have a vision dot, dot, dot. It's kind of like a statement. Kind of like do leaders need to have a vision? Yeah, why leaders need to have a vision. So I think perhaps we can start with, or do we think that that they do?
0: Mm. Uh, So I might just say some things I don't. Don't know where okay, I'm go going for with it. That. <laughs> and then you can say something smarter that okay. is wrapped up in a framework I love or how something. You think that that's the that's what uh, happens here. I've been thinking about this a bit recently, and you know, I used to do. I mean, I guess I still do it, but I used to do more work on strategy with organisations. That was part of my bread and butter work. And I always had this really like strange kind of feeling in my body when we got to the vision part. People really struggled over it and they wanted to wordsmith it. And I always had a suspicion it wasn't actually as powerful as they thought and that maybe they didn't need it. Uh, sometimes I'd voice that and generally that would not be considered an appropriate thing for me to be suggesting to them. Uh, because, you know, I I think that in some ways having a vision now is kind of the wrong thing to be doing because we don't know what the world is going to be like. The world is constantly changing, hopefully for the better. Uh, So maybe what a leader should do is create the conditions in which something emerges and you move towards something, mm. but you haven't decided what that thing is. And mm. uh, that sounds really hippie, I know, but I actually can't even believe I'm saying these words. <laughs>
1: but uh, I think at some point you are going to need to accept <laughs> that this is a part of your worldview. <sighs> at some point. I know. I mean, I'm very good.
0: patient. <laughs> I know. It's true. It's true. I think I just manifest it differently. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, so I kind of feel like vision's vision's not quite the thing maybe it's more about direction or creating understanding what kind of space and environment you want to create Mm. for the people that you work with and in the world but without like getting a flag and sticking it in the ground yeah Yeah. i I guess you know if we i take the exploration metaphor because now i've started it instead of saying we're going to find Antarctica or we're going to find the great southern land it's more about we're going to explore because we want to I don't know create a new model community or we want to we just want to explore because we want to see what's in the world and I I feel like I'm getting hooked in my own metaphor no you should talk now
1: okay um now i've been thinking about obviously the same thing because we're in that work at the moment with Mm. one of our one of our clients um and also what what is the appropriate type of work that is about sort of strategic planning and all of that in the current context and how do you lead a group of leaders through that Mm. work appropriately um and you know, at the same time, I'm reading this book, um, and I'm only a little way through, called Power Versus Force by um, David R. Hawkins. He's an MD, PhD. Very, very dense textbooky type of thing again. So I'm just looking at you going, perhaps don't go there. It's okay. I already decided <laughs> I'm never going to read yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the sorts of books I'm oddly drawn to, but then also, um, you know, it's, yeah, it's heavy going, but. Um, he was exploring a similar sort of thing in, um, in this, mm-hmm. do we need a vision? Do leaders need to be visionary? And I'm just going to read out cause I've got it, the, the page marked here, the way that, um, he frames it. And this is just in the preface, by the way. So, <laughs> so getting
0: into okay. Hold on. I'm just getting ready to, <laughs> you might so, just need to pause between sentences.
1: <laughs> so, um, I'll just read this a little bit. It's a little bit not related, but it's related towards the end. So while the majority of people resign themselves to a pessimistic view and pray for a better life in the hereafter, the few visionaries who foresee a utopian future are unable to describe the means necessary to bring it about. Mm. Society needs visionaries of means, not dreamers of ends. Once we have the means, the ends will reveal themselves. And I feel like that is kind of a really neat summary of what you were saying earlier, which is that you get this weird sort of feeling in your body where we're going, well, you know, let's define the thing that we want, um, where perhaps what we need to be doing is defining the conditions within which we actually need to be operating in this context, in this moment,
0: Mm. Um,
1: there is something though, that I feel like I need to say about intentionality. Like, I feel like we need to have a clear intent. Otherwise there is this sort of, there's this listlessness, well, I'm actually Mm. speaking about it in the terms of, um, in the context of business and all of that Mm. sort of stuff where in that framework, you also have, there's. There's the word again, responsibility. So, the responsibility to steward your organization Mm -hmm. away, which is, you know, legal and all of the Mm -hmm. things um, for really good reasons. But then, um, and I know people in my, um, you know, social group and also professional group that outside of their work um, do live in a way that isn't particularly, they don't necessarily have a vision, they don't necessarily buy into. The, um, I need to be on purpose all the mm. time, that do actually live very much in the moment in an emergent context and that serves them completely. Um, but I don't think that we can take that paradigm and apply it into a you know, strategic planning context, for example. Mm. But I feel like there are the things that we're exploring here in terms of what sort of a vision is appropriate for the certain Context that you find yourself in the operating environment that we're in. Um, I think all of that is up for question as well.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think there's this kind of belief that a vision empowers people and inspires them. And I'm not sure that's true. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I do believe, but I'm not sure I believe that. Mm. I mean, I've rarely found an organisation that had a vision that people embodied or felt really spoke to them yeah whereas the things that people get excited about if they're in an organization are often the way a leader treats them or demonstrates i'm thinking of someone in particular actually um an authenticity around uh taking other views on board and and being open to multiple perspectives and being very uh creative in that not arty sense but you know creating something new but also really holding people to account and Mm. being clear that they will make a decision
1: yeah but it's
0: always that kind of thing that excites people more and draws them to want to be part of something than the flag in the ground which is the vision yeah my
1: experience
0: I mean maybe it's different if you work for Elon Musk I don't know
1: yeah yeah I think also um You know, to build on what you were saying before, there are some people who are inspired by a vision because that's the way they're wired. Yeah. Um, And then there are people who are completely overwhelmed by it in Mm. that it's too big and I can't find myself in this. Um, The other thing that I just wonder is whether the organisation that we have in Australia who gives a crap Mm. that does the toilet paper, Mm. um, I feel like they have a really good balance um, in that they are quite visionary around the means. Mm. In that we are creating this product as sustainably as possible, but it's not necessarily the point. Isn't to just create toilet paper. Mm. The point is to help communities with mm. sanitation. sanitation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but they don't necessarily have this vision of you know, you know, we're going to that I'm aware of um, have a bazillion toilets built by some date, like I don't know if that's the way that they, they may do. In fact, I'm going to go and have a look at their website. They may website. do, they
0: probably do, but the yeah. kind of interesting thing is that that's not the thing that inspires you yeah. to
1: participate
0: in their company. No. yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the, the means. It's the, the means piece. It's, they're it's doing the way it. they operate yeah. and the things they do. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, think this, I think the one other thing that I want to say on this topic and then we'll, we'll just wrap up is that I also find that um, – What people find visionary is different as well. Mm. And, um, you know, one of the the things that I've been spending a lot of time thinking about actually is the difference between leaders who lead intellectually, who lead from their head, and leaders who lead from their bodies, who are actually embodied. They have embodied the vision Mm. of the organization. They have embodied the intention of what they're there to do. And and so it informs every single action. It informs the way they sit and stand and walk and talk and and it's also coming from a place of um, intuition. It's not it they they say sentences like I'm not sure if this is right, but I feel like this is the, <laughs> this is what we need to do. Yeah. And I feel like that's also really important. Yeah, I feel they like we've arrived pay. back at Jill Soloway. <laughs> this podcast is a homage to her yeah it is all Uh, right well i think we should leave it
0: there i think we should because otherwise we will just go down this rabbit hole and we have other things to do that's right yeah but thanks for listening if you've made it this far thank you for listening and uh please send us any thoughts you have and uh if you're interested in anything we've talked
1: about it's all in the show notes. great see you next time bye see ya. I know you and I have been having a bit of a sort of discussion and um, um, exploration around vision and the the importance of vision and whether or not we are actually on board with that Mm. as a concept. You had some interesting insights onto that. I did.
0: (laughs) I thought we were going to do that as the mystery question. That is the mystery question? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Should we start the whole thing again? (laughs) Have you got a timer thing happening? Top of our game today. Oh gosh, okay. <laughs> we apologize, Cam. We'll just start again. We're starting again. Do
1: you want to stop that
0: recording and then we'll
1: start a new one? Mm-hmm.